Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Best Camp of My Life, a podcast about MMA. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. I'm your host, Fernanda Prates, unless you are a man on the internet with a car selfie for an avatar who's just trying to have a reasonable debate about why there really is nothing sexist about not liking women fighting. It's just a matter of personal taste. In which case, Fernanda Prates is no longer here and asks that you please disregard her existence and miss her and the next six generations of her family with that talk. In the event that you are not trademark that guy, this indeed is your host, Fernanda Prates, coming back after a small break due to technical issues. And by technical issues, I mean everything falling apart in the midst of an international move, a twice hospitalized boyfriend, and a largely amicable, but still inconvenient and anxiety-inducing battle with COVID. As someone who has become one with the couch, as her Instagram feed filled up with unmasked acquaintances chilling at the beach and sharing cozy party selfies, I can't say that I'm jazzed about this particular turn of events. In fact, some could say I am absolutely enraged and using my not-at-all maddening isolation time to plot my revenge, but that's beside the point. Thankfully, my symptoms have been mild, and though my sense of smell has gone to shit, I can still taste Nutella, which is really what matters in life. In any case, It's okay. Even if I have not encountered a renewed appreciation for my boring and uneventful existence after this, I will have at least re-encountered exercise engine. Also, I am still healthy enough to bring you this show this week, which I'm not sure is a good thing in the general context of mankind, but certainly is a good thing in the context of me chatting with yet another amazing human and getting to call it my job. That's right, this pathetic, though I would argue warranted, pity party is now over. You will now be mercifully rescued by the incredible wits, the serene voice, and the soothing presence of my amazing guest, Nancy Kidder. Kidder is a freelance writer and an adjunct professor at American University, where she teaches an actual legitimate course on writing and fighting. Over the course of 2020, she hosted a series of virtual panels touching on super light themes like gender and media, race and representation, and geopolitics in the context of MMA. Basically, a bunch of very smart stuff discussed by a bunch of very smart people and sometimes also by me. Not only have Kidder's panels and interviews brought about some much-needed nuance, insight, and perspective to the not always welcoming MMA discourse, but she's also just been a beacon of encouragement and positivity in a space that is so often lacking on those things. She also apparently makes her own wine, which I guess is a definitive argument against those who believe that perfect people do not exist. Anyway, here's our chat. Enjoy it or don't, just keep in mind that this is really not the time to test me. First off, I've got to stress how big of an honor it is to not only have my first professor guest on this show, but uh, someone who apparently also makes her own wine now. Talk about a full package. Welcome to the podcast, Nancy. Thank you so much, Fernanda. Um, I love that you know about my wine. Yeah, I the, saw it on the Twitter. The states. That's amazing. <laughs> so, and and I, I kind of will. We'll get to like the fighting stuff, but that's <laughs> like, you know, that that stuff I have to pretend to care about, like for a job. But oh, 
Sorry, you're dabbling in winemaking. That's the thing. As one does in quarantine <laughs> stay at home. If you had told me a year ago, I'd be making my own wine. I would have been like, what the hell? That's going to, you know, and it's, I would have thought that it's going to be crap, you know, because it's like, if you make something in a barrel yeah. in Washington, DC, it's, you know, I don't think that's the terroir that one uh, wants to achieve, but let me tell you, uh, quarantine does that to you. And so, yeah, I did it as kind of a whim, like, oh, I'll learn about fermentation and the process and maybe I'll have some cooking wine. Um, but you know what? It freaking tastes pretty good. That's amazing. What kind of wine is it? <laughs> it I did a Chardonnay 100%. Uh, I got the grape extracts from uh, California, the, uh, the District of Columbia's wine producing is not yet on the map so they're they're great production that's amazing oh now now it's kind of creepy though because i have a malbec that's ready <gasps> that i i did half in a like steel barrel and half in a american oak that's my and- favorite <laughs> Guys, this is not I me love. trying to get that sweet wine hookup, by the way. I just wanted to <laughs> to let you all know that this is not a shameless attempt at getting wine. Even though, like, you guys, I, I, oh. I said this in a podcast once. I will accept gifts since I never get them. Uh, so wine is a, a an acceptable gift. But this is just, I was legitimately c- curious. You do, like, the whole, how, what, how involved in the process of it are you? Like, what do you oh. do with, it- like, your hands? <laughs> well, I get the extra, you know, I don't, I'm not into the crushing of the grapes oh, uh, yeah. because okay. I just get the extract. <laughs> so I, it's cheating. I know. No, I know. So cool. And that is like um, <laughs> the, uh, what is it? Lucille Ball moment. You know, I, yeah. I'll get there if we have more stay at home. Like, trust me, I might get there. But um, no, so with actually making wine, I don't want I know this is about fighting and academics and not a wine We'll get there. Podcast, we'll get but there. We'll get there. But I think what is interesting is really making wine, is, it's like baking. It's all mm-hmm. kind of getting the ingredients and then mm-hmm. the yeast takes over. Yeah. So you have to make the right thing because what the yeast does is actually – I, and I, because I explained this to my daughter and stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it takes the um, grapes and it takes the sugar. And then I told my daughter kind of like it eats it and then creates, but it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's the process of making um, carbon dioxide and alcohol. So it really, I love yeast because it's just bubbling in there and letting the carbon dioxide out and making alcohol. And then um, the only trick is you have to stop the process or you'll get fermented okay. like wine, like, the, uh, you know, a sherry. So yeah, that's it. It's not complicated. Uh, I think um, it's, it's, a, it's just work. And, and, and it's a lot of like having a barrel in your kitchen. <laughs> that sounds like a hobby like I could pick up. I'm like that person who never yes. tries things because I'm always like, you know what? I'm just I'm not going to be good at them right away. So like I'm just not even going to attempt it, which oh. is a very healthy way to go about life. Uh, <laughs> it's great. But anyway, and I, I, know. I, I think you're, you, you used a good reference, though, like your teenage daughter. Like 
for future reference for everybody explaining things to me i want you to explain them like you were explaining them to your teenage daughter like that's kind of how my brain yes absorbs information oh, the best. i actually think i should my daughter's too old now i i really like to think of her as a four-year-old and that's the best way you know um and this is a professor saying that like you know sometimes the simplest answer is the right right one that's how i go about (laughs) life uh for sure yeah well uh since we we probably we should i'm gonna pitch the wine podcast for us later or like a podcast in which we can watch things and drink wine which is how i describe my life normally not now that i have (laughs) COVID and can't just drink wine, but normally. So that's Um, an idea for the back. That's probably the worst. (laughs) That's the worst part of COVID now. I've heard of not smelling things and stuff, but not being able to drink alcohol. Damn. Yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, it's the no, I can't smell things either. Like for me, the symptoms have been light. I can't smell anything. And which I have very sensitive, like my, my, my sense of smell is very sensitive. So in one way it's been good. Like usually I'm annoyed at the sense of a place. And right now I'm just like, who cares? And, uh, yeah, like not (laughs) drinking and not exercising. So it's kind of like, you know, all the things that you do to like distract yourself from the pain of being, yeah, you can't have them, but it's okay. (laughs) I'm thriving. Everything that... (laughs) Everything that keeps us from that existential cliff abyss, of, yeah. of, of abyss and that make us human, you do not have at this point. But um, you're doing well. But it's you're hard. Doing, well. <laughs> doing great. Uh, doing great. I, I, I oh, cried. I left to keep from crying. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I, have, I have internet and television. Uh, I kind of wanted to. Oh, my God. God bless. Uh, thank you, Nancy. I'll, I'll be okay. I'll live. Um, uh, hopefully. <laughs> I don't know if it's hopefully at this point, but again, that's the, also another podcast, the one in which I just like go way existential. I feel like I've had, <laughs> for all the things that are happening, I'm having some good ideas in this isolation period. I don't know. <laughs> You've got a lot. You've got a lot. It's just the 2020 <laughs> wasn't a big enough dumpster fire for Fernanda. So no. she's starting it with a... <laughs> 2021 came out swinging but it's like the good thing about isolation is that you have a lot of alone time with your brain thank you because like if i if an isolation i would really pick having a conversation with fernanda oh would be up there so oh thank you i'm just like i'm talking i don't have covid but i'm (laughs) (laughs) i'm just talking to a human nancy that's like more than than i've had in a bit like i talked to my my boyfriend through the door uh very basic conversations and sometimes like he'll come in with my food yeah so to having this so that's why everybody has to like apologize if my timing my conversational timing might be off just because i forgot what it was like to be a human um But this is nice. <laughs> Thankfully, you're a nice person. So I feel no. like I'm really easing my way back no. into. <laughs> I, I adore it because, uh, you know, I, I, for me, it's an easy interview because you're going to love everything I say. So <laughs> Yes, true, true. My standards are very low. Uh, it's talking to Nancy Kidder or the DoorDash person. <laughs> so I, I'm feeling good. And I'm in Mexico. I don't speak the language of the DoorDash person. So you're really, oh, no. really way up ahead. There. Oh, 
Yes. I, the poor DoorDash, uh, like for me, because I only have my husband and my daughter, those people are, I, I'm sorry, but I crave that interaction. So <laughs> I don't mean to kind of run behind you. <laughs> I don't mean okay. to be clingy, okay. Mr. Delivery person. Uh, clingy. Is- <laughs> Asking them what the traffic was like <laughs> and how their day is going. <laughs> well, you can do that all with me now. You're in my podcast. We're, we're safe Oh, space. yeah. No, I got you. Uh Right. Moving into the thing that I guess we're supposed to talk about, because apparently that's what I'm paid to do. Um, I'm going to ask <laughs> the question that I know you get asked whenever you go into this kind of podcast, but I kind of feel like that's where we need to start here. I mentioned, as I mentioned in my intro, you are uh, you teach a course in writing and fighting, which is a very uh, specific <laughs> intersection of interests, I guess. <laughs> so uh, first off, I guess if you could just please explain to our listeners who are missing out and don't know uh, what your course is about, just let, let us know a little bit about, yeah, what do you teach essentially and how sort of it, it came to be? Oh, excellent. No, thank you. Um, I feel so freaking lucky to teach this course. Mm-hmm. Uh, writing and fighting, which I've taught now since 2017. I think I'm in my 10th or 11th semester mm-hmm. now. I I didn't probably I didn't do my math. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I've uh, been blessed because I get to talk about literature and combat sports and um, analyze it to for my students to show what great writing is. And I, I hate kind of saying great writing because what does that mean? It means, you know, using these maneuvers, these mm-hmm. rhetorical devices, whether it's action verbs or metaphors, figurative language, or um, dialogue in a certain way that allows the reader to connect in a better way than doing it, um, you know, just as a summary or as facts. And you know, I will show them, Fernanda, I've put you in my syllabus. Aww. Uh, it, I think it was your article on, um, was it Machida or something? I'm trying to remember. It was um, last December of 2019. Um, I think I used it. And um, it was great because you kind of used two different vehicles to explain your love of um Machida. Oh, it was Machida. And, yes. And, you know, so what I have my students do is analyze what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, to understand the process and how um, I have them also come up with other ways Fernanda could have done this and oh, why, no. what this one does. <laughs> so, yeah, you get close read there. Oh, no. Never uh, show that to me. I'm too <laughs> fragile. <laughs> oh, it's great. No, because. You know, what we do, and then we also talk about the content and what your argument is mm-hmm. and, you know, how you're using your support, um, you know, and I, I love this because they'll see how well you do it. And then I will go and get something really, you know, sometimes you got to show them the bad stuff for them mm-hmm. to understand, like, why does this argument not work? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they have no support, you mm-hmm. know, no facts. Um, they're using... Um, pathos or emotions when it's not earned and mm-hmm. all of these things so um you are my prime example of how to do it right so, oh my god along with, along with um yes you know i you know middenhall chuck middenhall yeah. you know for 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 the modern 
uh, fight writers, you know, but we also go back and we read AJ Leibling, Norman Mailer. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at uh, George Plimpton. It's, uh, you know, I'll bring in James Baldwin um, and some of his writing on boxing. Yeah. So it's such a pleasure because, you know, if you look back at combat sports, it was really necessary, like especially in the 1800s before radio, before you had these other avenues to allow people to to view and hear the fights, they had to read it. Mm-hmm. And um, you really see that we go back and um, I don't want to get too nerdy or bookish <laughs> on you, but uh, we look at Pierce Egan, who's known um, for his uh, his articles that he wrote um, primarily on prize fighting and horse horse uh, events. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, his writing is incredible because it's it's almost hyperbole at this point because yeah. he goes like he uses like um, onomatopoeia like wham flash uh, yeah the guy yeah. jumped over you know and it's like wow over over detail but you could see how it was so captivating to the audience at that point yeah. um, and Pierce Higgins he's the one who also coined uh, the sweet science of bruising yeah as as you know well the sweet science mm-hmm. yeah of course um, and so. It's also so fun to show how much my students, like how much comes from combat sports in terms of our vernacular. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, they've heard the sweet science, uh, you know, I mean, just things like throw in the towel, you're in my corner, saved by the bell. Um, and it's, it's so interesting. They don't even realize its connection sometimes that it started in the ring. Awesome. And, and, and how did you, I guess, was there any when you decided like to put this in a course, like to make this a yes. thing, like an academic thing, right? Because it seems to me, if I was going to when I was going to college, like having this class to me would feel like vacations. Like I'm having this, of course, <laughs> and I mean this in a totally uh, not not in a. I'll just take it easy way because that's what marketing was for. But like in the this looks so cool that I'm cheating. <laughs> Basically, this doesn't <laughs> feel like a class. So, how did uh, how did how did you decide to like actually you know make it a thing? And was there any pushback when you when you sort of ah, pitched the idea? Great question. Because, um, well, first of all, the best classes feel like vacation. Yep. Even if it's even if it's you know you're you're doing um, you know. Uh, the hardest thing you can think of. I'm like, mm-hmm. for some reason, quantum physics, which I never took in college. But <laughs> if if you can make that feel like a vacation, um, that's, you know, that's what I love mm-hmm. about teaching. Um, but yes, I got, um, not pushback, mm-hmm. actually. Um, see, what uh, American University has is in their literature department, they have a writing studies program. Okay. And that's where all students must take a rhetorical class just mm-hmm. to kind of learn how to build an argument, mm-hmm. you know, the elements of sourcing, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, but they also have a way to study rhetoric and to improve your writing skills through a genre. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically those have been Shakespeare. Yeah. You, um, you look at Yawn. humor, comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Sorry, Shakespeare. Oh, uh, Shakespeare. Guy, I, is there but... any combat sports in Shakespeare? Yeah, I, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of death and um, betrayal, so I guess there's, I guess it's pretty yes. cool too. I, you know, I we could look at. We should. I'll find a Shakespeare um, where it has a combat sports scene that okay. we can break down. How about Perfect. that? Um, so then, um, 
yeah, so they're doing, um, but then there's also like women's studies. You could, mm-hmm. people do travel writing. It. Let's just say combat sports <laughs> was not <laughs> in that pile. Yeah. Um, but I um, was finishing my MFA at American University here in D.C., and um, I had fallen in love with kind of personal essays and just, you know, I was reading a lot of Didion and, mm-hmm. and all these things. And so I was coming back and then I started reading um, like Gay Talese and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What also coincided when I got obsessed with MMA. Yeah. And I was always a boxing fan, but oh, okay. my husband like brought me to the dark side where, <laughs> you know, you wake up and you're like checking MMA fighting and all these things like what's what's going on. <laughs> um, yep. And I started to think about, wow, you know, how great would it be, you know, and I, I'd known about these early fight writers to combine that mm-hmm. with a course that looks at rhetorical maneuvers, um, learns, you know, builds on creating an argument, you know, being persuasive mm-hmm. in your writing. And then the third part of the John class is you have to teach research yeah. skills. I, get, I think this, the word is information literacy mm-hmm. these days. And um, I like immediately my brain started going um, up because as you know, and because you've been a part of, I brought you into the writing and fighting world yes. here. I brought you into panels. <laughs> yep. There is so much you can connect to combat sports mm-hmm. in that it is a vehicle to look at race, gender, mm-hmm. sexuality, exploitation, yeah. um, economics, uh, safety, health. I, I, I could just keep going. but yeah. uh, And that's a way for them to take an academic lens yeah. um, and bring it in and um, look at combat sports um, and so that they appreciate how when you take something, whether it be Shakespeare, which is just so, I'll be honest, typical and, you know, no, no offense, but combat, <laughs> you know, a class on combat sports is a little bit more out there. Yeah. But they learn that <laughs> combat sports from boxing to, you know, MMA to, you know, wrestling, it tells a story about humanity. Yeah. Um, and that we've been doing it, you know, they look at the Iliad as the first li- piece of literature that they look at. Mm-hmm. And it's great because it's um, a scene. It's EPS is having a funeral game. And we look at the text and it's basically he's trash talking. Okay. Um, you know, if you look at it, I have my students like, what is he saying here? And like, mm-hmm. I, I show them like a, a slide of Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Like, I am the greatest. Like, it's the same. He's. It's doing the same effect. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I could go on and on <laughs> about <laughs> how much you can learn from combat sports, and you know, the great writers like yourself. Um, and um, but that's what I get to do. How uh, looking at your class? I mean, what is sort of the I don't know, the general profile of the students who take the class. Like, is it more male, more female? Is it sort of evenly split? Like, you know, that's so interesting because it's not all male. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I get my wrestlers and I get some athletes (laughs) who, you know, um, but I'll have to say there's only about, I'll get one or two fanatic. Um, Okay. I have a lot of people who don't know much, uh, probably a third, 
have no idea about anything about combat sports. Yeah. They may know Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor, Muhammad Ali, and Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> and that is their knowledge. And so um, it's really interesting. I love having those kind of students in my class uh, because they bring their perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of like, this is why you have kids, I guess, is that you get to take them to a park or, you know, music park and you see it through their eyes, mm-hmm. like of wonderment, you know? So I love when I get to see someone realizing that, wow, combat sports has this rich history. Um, in action, it's like a chess match and, um, you know, and it's global. You have all these different martial arts that come together, um, you know? So thankfully I, I also say my class is a huge trigger warning just in its title. So um, I tell people, like, look, we're going to be watching fights. You're going to yep. this is going to be bloody. <laughs> and, you know, so if, you know, um, so I, I guess that kind of rules out anyone who would maybe, you know, not want to, to, to be watching something that makes them squeamish. Yeah. But on the other hand, I tell people, you don't have to be a fan. I one, actually, I invite your opinion, you know, because we talk about things um, like weight cutting and CTE, and I want people to be there to not just, you know, soak up my my thoughts and mm-hmm. my opinions as the end all. No, I want to hear from them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like when I hear these opposing opinions, but um, but I do hope that like a good half of them, at least, I've made them into solid fans okay so, <laughs> you know. i don't know if dana white should give me a kickback but um you know because i i have a lot of alums that i stay in contact yeah. with and um you know it's so great because i you know some of them are trying to be um sports writers okay. or you know trying to mm-hmm. get involved and uh you know it's uh it's great you know that sometimes you're like i don't know like have i given them the shown them like this thwarted world because it is so cool, but man, it's hard to get a job as a writer, (laughs) but yeah, right. That's um, the the conflict. (laughs) It's the conflict, but you know what? It's so worth it. Right. Uh, (laughs) You're going to have to, it depends. I'll answer that depending on, on, on my day. Cause I get that a lot. Like I'm not going to ask you today, actually. Yeah. Today I'm I'm nothing. Not in your COVID isolation. Yeah. Like right now I say just don't expect anything nice. Uh, but yeah, cause it's interesting cause I get that question a lot. Like, you know, people like, Oh, I want to be a sports writer. Like, and I want to work in MMA specifically. Like, do you have any yeah. tips? And my immediate instinct, and I know it's not just me, like a lot of fellow writers and reporters and podcasters, the on the tip of our tongues is just don't do it. Just that's my tip. Like run away. <laughs> there aren't enough jobs, like let alone full-time jobs. But then, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, eh, there aren't any jobs anywhere. Like you just, if you're going to, if you really love it and if you want to do it, like you have a much higher chance of success doing something that you're actually interested in. So I reset and my, advice changes and my advice becomes just kind of like find your niche and and you know do something because you feel like you have something to add to that space and instead of just mimicking whatever's been done already because that's 
not going to get you anywhere. Like, yeah. especially in a crowded space, right? Like, so, I think what we see again and again in terms of success is people who sort of carve out their own spaces. Yes, yes no. And um, I think I really appreciate that you said that because it is about also if you love writing, which <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with it, right? There are yep. some days I feel like <laughs> nothing is coming out and um, I'm the worst critic of myself <laughs> and I hate it. But once you get over that hump, then yeah. you're like, okay, I lived. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, so it is this kind of masochistic thing you do. But it's but it's worth it. It's kind of like going through that. I don't do any boxing or anything. And I know you do. It's like getting through that workout. Um and but if you really love it and it and it serves you, kind of going through the motions of a job that you yeah. don't like. I've had too many people I know in my life who are miserable, mm-hmm. who took the safe way. So that's why I do give as much help as I can. Yeah, but it's it's a tough road, as 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 you know. Yeah, but it's a different kind of like. I'm uh, the love hate relationship. I think it's kind of common to all of us. I just think a lot of people have it differently. Like to me, it's almost crippling to my productivity, the way it manifests. Like sometimes I'm just so like mm-hmm. haunted by a simple thing. Like it's not like I'm writing the next Pulitzer, like a guide and it's simple yeah. and I'm stuck and it builds in my head in a way that is just suffocating. And I'm like, why do I do this? And then the paragraph <laughs> comes out and another paragraph comes out. And then I'm like, oh, that's why. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I think uh, for me, I do it. You because articulate that so well. It's kind of like I, for me, I do it because I can't really imagine doing something else. And it's, that's pretty yeah. much at this point of my life, that's good enough. But it's the <laughs> thing, if you come across a person who writes and really wants to be a writer, like, I just don't think there's anything you can tell them about not doing it. Like, I tried yeah. to, I had other jobs that were sometimes much easier and that were so crushing. Um, because yes. they weren't it. So at this point, I'm just kind of like, Honey, do you? It's gonna suck, but you know what? <laughs> That's the hand you've been dealt. There's no other choice. No. You're gonna be a writer. It happens to the best of us. And sometimes yes. you'll be fortunate enough to to have good opportunities and to really make the most of them. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, what I Can I tell you to- one thing though? Yeah, of Can course. I tell, tell you one thing? I what I appreciate about you, Fernanda, too, and this is what I bring up in my class is that you bring up kind of the mental game of writing, the anxiety. And I have to say, like, that is a lot for, like, I'd say half of my students have issues with the actual process of writing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes we get into, well, this is how you build an argument. Make sure you source things right. Mm -hmm. And we forget that they need to learn what what works for them, Mm -hmm. how to get out of those tricky spots. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it is just having a, what do you call it? A shitty first draft. I'm yeah. quoting Anne Lamont there. Um, <laughs> or if it's um, having a, co- you have to talk to someone else yeah. to get through it and, and then, um, you know, write that down or whether it's using a template and, you know, seeing like how someone else has done it or, you know, just writing this framework and then filling in the dots, which is not wrong. Actually. It's not, I think that people think when you say templates or frames, that you're um, 
you're copying or you're plagiarizing someone else's actually no i mean that's what a poem like a sonnet is it's you know aonic pentameter with you know a, a certain rhyme scheme but it's different every time you do it so um I'm so curious what like what is your writing process have you are you still figuring out or do you have something that you set that you come with oh man my process my process is like one that I do not recommend uh to people <laughs> because it's torturous okay. no I found like a few kind of things that work for me for instance um I write first thing in the morning. Ah, I wake up yeah. really early. Like if I have something to finish, uh, I'll wake up at like mm -hmm. six, um, sometimes even five 30, depending like, and I like wow. to write when my brain hasn't been cluttered <laughs> by the informations of the day yet, you know, like, cause we live, especially mm. right now, like we wake up with our faces on our phones and just like it's a data yes. dump the entire time so it's really hard mm -hmm. even if you try to stay away even if like it's gonna something is gonna crash into your inner space yeah. right so what i do yes. is just wake up early and get as much even if i'm still groggy and not like fully awake and sometimes that's the thing you're not gonna get like the <laughs> your best work at like 7 a.m you might miss a lot of things but i feel like that's mm -hmm. my most creatively productive time so i'll write if even if i write for like just two hours yeah that's two hours that i know i'm gonna God. get something on paper then i'll take a break usually uh. i'll get sleepy or whatever go back and sort of <laughs> fix it and as i'm fixing it usually is when i get more ideas but uh so i would say my window that's my great. main window is f until like lunchtime like noon or one, but yeah. then I'm useless after that. Like a lot of people, oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I can't cram. Yeah. Like at 3 p.m., I can't, I can't write at 3 p.m. Like just, it doesn't happen to me. Like it just, and then at night, sometimes depending, you I'm know, able to get back. Oh, I'm, I might like, for me, it's like, if I've had a glass of wine, I don't trust my, oh, like, me too. what I'll write or something like Same. that. I really should turn my text and my um, <laughs> Twitter off too. I don't always do that. Uh, but no, I agree with you. And I think that that's so smart, like the way you kind of hack that system of getting the most out when you're not getting contacted by people and your brain is fresh. Uh, because I have to tell my students, this is the thing that they have now. It's filtering out all the different ways people are coming at them, whether mm -hmm. it's texting or social media. And that, when you're trying to write and trying to think, if you've got that kind of interruption, um, and I get it, it's hard to turn off in the day. So it's, uh, I am going, if you don't mind, I'm going to take this Fernanda Prachi's uh, oh, tip oh. and bring it to my students. I don't have about, much to uh, share with the world, so I'll take whatever. Oh, <laughs> oh please, please. That's um, yeah, no, feel free. I mean, that's, and especially now, right? Cause like, we're just, it's just so much bad stuff too, right? Like it's not even just stuff. So yeah. it's so hard to, you know, even yeah. the way I write, like I, I, I like to be optimistic in a way or just like have, I don't know. I like to have something that isn't all sad and whatever I write, even if it's difficult subjects. And I find that right now it's especially hard to, to not infuse everything yes. with just this doom and gloom attitude. Like I try oh. to be doom and gloom no. with humor. So it's like, 
how can I do humor <laughs> if I'm just like fucking bummed? Like it's so it's for me, that's the process. Oh my God. Uh, one thing I'm I cur- hear you uh, like yeah. it's hard, right? Like to just especially right now to like not be just like, yeah, whatever. Just right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> We're all going to die I'm soon enough. <laughs> oh, my God. Because like for me, like we've had stay at home COVID. Then it was uh, January 6th. So it's like bunker in my house because I have camo tanks going <laughs> across my, my thing and military checkpoints. So not that I'm like complaining because I mean, it's everyone's going through it yeah. um, yourself in, in Mexico City. So but yeah, it's uh, you're right. It's It's been tough uh, having that overall anxiety of the uncertainty and um yeah, but um, how about the morning? Your brain doesn't really soaking in all <laughs> the, the bad. Yep. So that's my tip, kids. Before the big sad <laughs> sets in, get shit done. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about this is uh, you mentioned the the weight, like you already were into boxing and then uh, you were pulled onto the dark yeah. side uh, of MMA. I One thing I talk often about with my guests is the idea of the stereotypical MMA fan. And what I find a lot in the, at least in the writer's, milieu i don't know if that's how you say it in mm. english but in our in our <laughs> space is that it's hard to actually find a one person that you would typically think of as an mma person and you are not what one would probably look at and talk to and just think <laughs> oh this is a massive mma fan if you're just going by the stereotypes that we have in our brain uh is that something that people say to you like is there a reaction for instance when people start uh your class and they're expecting something else like do you get a lot of oh i didn't expect you to be like a a fight person oh completely you know i'm uh yeah but you know i think i've heard you talk about this with laura sanko and some of your other guests that i love kind of turning people's expectations mm-hmm. on its head uh, because yes, I, I'm a mom and I'm a professor mm-hmm. and I have another job where I work at a nonprofit that yeah. brings literature into workplaces. So MMA nerd, um, fanatic, um, who loves, you know, my, the fight that, you know, brought me in was Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas. Mm-hmm. And I could talk forever about that, but yeah, no, I'm definitely not, but I'm hoping, I don't know, you know, perhaps because we have a class like this mm-hmm. at American University in DC that that's shifting, mm-hmm. that, you know, we're getting a different kind of, um, you know, that it's not just the stereotypical, uh, I always think of the just bleed guy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, that <laughs> gif or whatever, or like, you know, who's a shirtless, you know, um, you know, white male typically. Um, but I don't know, like, I think that representation, um, you know, uh, my good friend, your friend, Tanisha Singleton, mm-hmm. Dr. Tanisha Dr. Singleton, we'll talk about representation, that. but <laughs> yeah, I know. Shout out Tanisha. Um, that representation mm-hmm. is showing it. That's why I think it's so critical that we have women in MMA, um, mm-hmm. MMA media, Mm-hmm is, you know, and like we could go into, cause this has been an interesting week yeah. for um, women in that, yep. in that uh, arena. Yep. Yes. Um, 
but it's it's so necessary because that also reflects who's watching it. And I love that, you know, I think of you as what I love about you, and I've told you this, your cheeky, intelligent um, writing that like it, it, it's after my own heart. You know, I love <laughs> Thank you. when you, um, you know, that piece you did about the semi, wait, was it? Um, oh, the, se the semi, or yeah, the, the <laughs> semi, semi-viral tweet or something. Tweet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, you know, and like, uh, you know, there's self-deprecation and I'm like, ah, oh, this is me. And I want her <laughs> to be covering this because, you know, it's, it, it, it's connecting me closer to the sport in a, in a yeah. interesting way. So I don't know, I'm, I'm hoping, and you know, I, I, I'm doing my work by bringing in people who, uh, don't necessarily think, see themselves as a combat sports fan and then they leave mm -hmm. knowing the rich history, you know, and if we ever start talking about women, you know, it is so fascinating to know that, you know, women in combat sports have had this dance where we've been in, we've been allowed in the room or the mm -hmm. ring and then shoved out yeah, time and again. So, you know, one thing I think is important um, is that we got to like, they can't let our guard down because, you know, we had women in the Georgian era in like the mid 1700s, Elizabeth Wilkinson Stokes, RIP up there. Um, what a freaking lady, um, you know, was out there doing bare knuckle boxing um, with women um, and training men. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you have you heard about Elizabeth Wilkinson Stokes? Mm, no, not at all. I'm going to. Oh, Google because it. she's like. Uh, well, don't do right. But what I'm going to tell you is like, she's so cool because like she might have married on a, a serial killer. Oh, okay. And that's John, John Stokes, I believe. But we don't know if she was really married to him. Okay. So I like, I'm just saying like, bitches were awesome from the beginning yeah. in terms of, uh, <laughs> of this game. And, yeah. um, but then you get to the Victorian era, you know, we've get, you know, and I don't want to go into the socioeconomics of like, why we shifted into Victorian era, but we did. And the way to kind of constrain women, take them out of roles that they had been enjoying. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also, you know, they had been in agriculture and other things. Well, the industrial revolution changed it. So women, you know, that's why they were literally constrained, you know, yeah. I mean, literally in corsets, uh, mm -hmm. but they were no longer accepted in the fighting space. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, that's why I had to tell my students, um, I don't know if you've been able to catch up on Bridgerton, but I'm, I'm very cool because I watched it. Uh, <laughs> no. It, have you, do you know Bridgerton on Netflix? Yeah, I've um, seen it, but I haven't, you've seen I haven't it. watched it. <laughs> well, I'm not there's, a Shonda there's... Rhimes person in general. Like, I people know. hate she, me for I, it, Usually but... I'm not. <laughs> usually I'm not, but there's, there's boxing in it. Okay. But it's cool. completely anorastic because there should not have been women going to the boxing matches, but mm -hmm. you know, I'll take what I can get. And I like just that that's the prime, the, you know, to, that people remember that 1700s, 1800s, you know, boxing was a huge sport and it was a gentleman's sport. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I think that's why if we want to talk about what's going on this week with women, yeah. in MMA and there's a know, lot, <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, one thing though that you because you mentioned it the spaces right like and we have had this conversation and I, I was 
lucky enough to be in a few of your panels in which we oh. had uh, so many other women uh, discuss. And I think, you know, please look at it, guys. It's all on YouTube. And I think their strength in that is just having like all these women relating their, uh, you know, talking about their experiences and just how much of it overlaps. If you hear yes. that and you still don't uh. really realize what it means to be a woman in this space, like then you're just not really listening, are you, uh, yeah. dickhead? But I doubt that you, my listener, is one <laughs> of those people because you wouldn't be here putting up with my nonsense. Uh, but one thing that I wanted to talk to you about um, about the spaces, right? Like, because you have mm -hmm. women reporting, of course. We have, yeah. when you're looking at a broadcast, we see the faces of Laurel, of Megan O'Leary, of Karen Bryant, uh, all of whom were my guests. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, but, yes. <laughs> you know, still, <laughs> like, these are, there are some spaces that still feel like they're not allowing us in uh one yeah. obvious example is like the entire internet is campaigning for laura senko to finally be yeah. in a booth she's doing lfa commentary now uh, i can't imagine her not being she, she did invict a commentary with julie kedzie who of course we both know and love very much um <sighs> but you know the conversation yeah. and julie would of course be very qualified but i think the conversation really centered around laura mm -hmm. because she's already a ufc employee she's already doing so many UFC see things mm -hmm. and still like having her in the commentary seems like such a big step well i would argue that for a man who had half her qualifications would have already at least uh been given that shot of course you know there are steps to things but you know yeah. she's a former athlete she obviously knows yeah. the sport she was already in the organization mm -hmm. so um, and, you know, and to me, at least, that's my personal opinion, that's where the gap is, is where, like, we're allowed to show our faces and to say things, but uh, when it comes to having opinions on things, that's when people are still huh. put off by the idea of a woman there. Um, and my, I, hmm. I wanted to hear from you, like, why do you think there, why do you think it's left for us to be able to sort of fulfill those spaces? That's a great question. And, um, you know, I, you know, going back to what we were saying about representation, about, you know, there's so many women who follow the sport, watch it. So why don't you put a Laura Senko in there, mm -hmm. who's I think has done far enough, and Julie Kesey, you know, yeah. um, just so thorough in there and what they bring to the table. So, yeah, why? And then you're just also saying, why when women bring their opinions, do they seem to be like that's kind of like we can have them in roles of you know reading or you know uh, mm -hmm. opening up a broadcast and, and you know uh, Karen yeah. Bryant Megan Olivia excellent um why is that okay and why this space is not and I think that looking at just all of sports I think that women you know we're still not there we, I think we have um uh I forget the name of the woman who does NBA Mm, um, we have one there. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I'll think of it in a second, but um, but really have one there. Um, we just got uh, a coach, you know, mm -hmm. for uh, you know on the NFL, and I think that why I you know women, I think that there's this idea mm -hmm. that these are masculine spaces mm -hmm. that inherently a man just knows it better. 
unfortunately. And that, that women, when we come in and we're not just, um, not that those aren't important roles, but when we're actually shaping the content of, of critiquing it, that is somehow emasculating. I, Mm. I, you know, I'm, this is all theory. Because uh, I talked to a friend of mine who's getting his PhD in gender studies, and I asked him about, you know, kind of what this idea of this exclusive masculinity mm-hmm. in combat sports and how, um, you know, we, we talked about this too, like boxing, I still see that as much more of a male dominated sport. And why MMA was able to bring women fighters are, are not seen mm-hmm. as less, although... What did yeah. you get this week with Stephen A. Smith? Yeah, that's. Uh, I <laughs> yeah. want to get to that and then and, and Megan Anderson. Yeah, um, but because that's the thing, right? Like, and I wanted to ask you real quick before we move on to that. And I personally, and this is something that might you know get me in trouble. Like people might disagree with because whenever a woman says this happens to me because I'm a woman. Like you're going to have a thousand men be like, that is not true. So I'm already always bracing myself for that. But like one thing that I feel that has happened to me after it's going to be like, I don't know, 12 years, I lost count of me in MMA and doing all jobs in MMA and, you know, getting to a position where I'm like, now uh, I've had, sort of quote unquote respected jobs and I have a pot like I have a platform that a lot of people don't have, but that I still feel like mm-hmm. if I'm at a table with men, my opinion on when we're talking about MMA, I need to back it up a thousand times more or it generally carries less yeah. weight. Like I still need to convince people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to explain to my male colleagues. It's not that you haven't, I've worked harder than you. It's not even that. It's just that you come from, I feel like I constantly come from a place where I'm having to explain and prove why my opinion is worthy of yeah. being listened to while theirs is just taken as a worthy opinion as it is. Um, do you kind of feel that way too? Like, do you feel like maybe you you're taking less seriously in your opinions um, as a woman? Unfortunately, yes, mm-hmm. and that's sad. Even as a professor, I right. feel you know, and I also think, and this I don't want to say this, but I think women too. If you choose to not wear glasses or mm-hmm. have long blonde hair, you also like are giving yourself another layer. Mm-hmm. of a burden you have to bear or have to cross, which is ridiculous because men don't think like this. Mm-hmm. And as we could, as we could tell, and I was so thankful that you guys uh, came um, yourself, Laura Stanko, um, you know, who else was there? Tanisha was there. Esther. Esther. Anna. Uh, Anna Evelyn. Yes. And Evelyn. Yeah. It was so great because you know what I heard from a lot of male friends, male colleagues, I, I'd love to know what you think what you got mm-hmm. and your feedback. Um, they're like, I had no, no idea. idea. No idea that women, as you say, have to be extra perfect and prove themselves. Um, what was the other thing? Like, and I love this cause you're so good with words, these invisible lines that yeah. you have to, you know, follow. And I think I heard both you and Megan and, and Karen Wright all had uh, talked about this. It's the impossible balance, right. Of like being, Yes. Being, I talked to Karen uh, too about this and I talked to Evelyn just sort of having to 
be present yourself in a very specific way in order to be taken seriously and still know that (laughs) even with all of that yes and you never like can you imagine a guy saying um man your your picture is too sexy or something or um you know oh can i give you a good example of kind of what a man can do that a woman can't do unfortunately um I was talking to another professor who was giving a discussion um, and it was all men. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did this thing. It's um, I don't want to say code switch because that's the wrong term and that's about race, but he realized they were bros. They were tech guys mm-hmm. and he could just tell that they had this kind of humor and they had these inside jokes. So he started playing dumb mm-hmm. to get them to kind of, talk more because he really wanted them to to start like um this this discussing the yeah. i think he was he was doing a, a book or something mm-hmm. i'm like there is no way yeah nancy and fernanda we cannot play the dumb card no we're just then gonna we're be done. trampled all over yep it's one yeah. thing i but i was just like sorry go ahead go no no you finish no because i was this immediately brought to my mind like an example like michael bisping as a commentator i love him as mm-hmm. a commentator because mm-hmm. i think he's so mm-hmm. spontaneous and like genuine he's not stuffy uh he's, it's very organic the way he commentates and then i think about it like could a woman commentator ever uh, cause that's kind of Julie's yeah. style, uh, in Invicta, I would say she's very conversational. Mm-hmm. She's not rehearsed. She's not, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so, and that like, and, and that too, yeah. when it comes out from a woman, like a lot of people take that as a detriment, like you're underprepared, you don't know your stuff as well. Like come, it comes across as unprofessional while Michael Bisping can afford yeah. to be that, to have his personality shine because we're interested in his personality while as a woman, like you can't really Really, you're not afforded the opportunity to even have a personality, uh, personality publicly. I know. And it's just, uh, you know, what I would like to say, you know, if we could really change things um, would be that, that somehow like bring the personality and let's just make sure that we women support it. And our male friends support saying that if mm-hmm. Julie's going to be spontaneous, you know, we're going to appreciate that, but that's, it's a risk, yeah. right? That we know we're taking. Um, and that really, that's, it's, it sucks, you know? And I'm, you know, I, I wish that I knew the right way to combat it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I think about what you were talking with, um, Karen Bryant, how, like how many people say, you know, you just read the teleprompter and you, you mm-hmm. know, or just keep to that. For a woman who's been doing this, what, 14 years Mm -hmm. and writes her own scripts and, you know, has been in the game for so long that she still gets that. And, um, you know, and, and I, I think she knows that she has to like, cause I was, I heard her on your show say that men can, uh, they can gain a few pounds. Yep. Uh, you know, and no one really gives a F and, you know, she can't, and um, she's worried about like aging, yeah, right? Like you're looking, if you have yeah. a wrinkle, like, uh, you know, and we've, we know yeah. this as women because it's our lives, but I just feel yeah. like sometimes, uh, men just, just, uh, haven't heard it put in, in those words. And I've had, like you said, many examples of like, 
uh, colleagues and friends or just like guys on Twitter being like, oh, I hadn't really even stopped to think about it. And that's cool. Like now you have, now you can like start working toward being part of the yeah. change. Uh, exactly. One yeah. thing that you did uh, since we, we want to talk about that real quick. Um, Stephen A. Smith, you mentioned, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith, I don't know if he was, he's what people would call a grifter, <laughs> but I'm, I'm limited in my exposure to American television and commentators outside of the MMA space. I, I am aware of Stephen E. Smith. He's not a part of my existence. Uh, recently, he, he was talking about something else entirely, like talking about women in positions of like being CEOs and stuff and actually had a nice human thought on that, which is like, yeah, women should be allowed to be CEOs. So congrats, Stephen A. Smith, for the bare minimum. Uh, but he went on this weird fucking tangent about... But women finding yes. men, nobody wants to see that. You're right. Nobody has, literally no one ever has said that they want to see men finding women. So, <laughs> okay, congrats on being right there. <laughs> but then he goes into how he, like, how women, how he doesn't like, I, yeah. I'm sorry, the exact terms escape me. But the general gist of it was that he doesn't like women fighting like or as they because they, they yes. like to say females right they like to call us females he doesn't like females. women females can i i have the quote right here oh perfect female <laughs> i do because you're right i it was the, the strangest thing because i don't think anyone's endorsing male co-ed uh combat sports right now and, you know, maybe I've missed that boat, you know, <laughs> but me too, like, so I was like, maybe I'm so sick that I've like lost sense of reality. <laughs> you lost, like, we're now doing that. I think that they may have pro wrestling um, co-ed and yeah. like, that, you know, I know that's can I tell you that's not um, that's rehearsed. So I don't think that there's any danger of anything. But so, yeah, I actually like. I guess I've been with you with that too, Stephen. That I, I'm not really ready for the male female thing. But uh, but then I don't know if he was trying to backpedal or what. But this is it. When I think about the pugilistic sports, I don't like to see women involved in that at all. I just don't like it. I wouldn't pass. I wouldn't promote legislating laws to prohibit them from doing so. But I don't want to see women punching each other in the face. I don't want to see women fighting in the octagon and stuff like that. And then he writes, that's just me. Uh, and that's the main thing. Cause then he goes back to the male female thing to kind of maybe, maybe he knew he better go back to that territory. Um, what are you, I want to know what you think. Fernanda. I, that's the thing. He, he actually said them fighting men. He said women, because I that's my major pet peeve, just clarifying what I said earlier. Like when a man calls a woman or says females or, or a female, I know some shit's about to follow. He didn't say that. So credit to Stephen <laughs> A. Smith for not using that, because that's like my main thing. The minute He's I hear it, it's like not doing. Yeah, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Like the minute I hear it, like females. Uh, but <laughs> to me, the sad out of that one, Steve. Yeah, we, we got to got rid of that. that. That's thankfully that's one less thing that we have to be upset about. I think, like on the one hand, is like <laughs> we know he's the type of guy who says things for attention. So, like you have that side of it, like yeah. 
Maybe he knew he was going to like ruffle some feathers by saying it. He's done it several times in MMA specifically, and it works every yeah. time. But that doesn't mean mm-hmm. I don't think we shouldn't address it or ignore it. It doesn't go away. If there's one thing we found out is that it doesn't go away. Like you can't ignore yeah. abnormal shit. It's still going to happen. But I think like the saddest part for me is just like how I f- know that a lot of people feel that way and don't say it still and you're gonna you're 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 weren't here for my intro i actually make a joke about that because i get i you know working at kombachi i would hear from people in there like oh i per it's my personal taste i don't like seeing women uh punching each other because you know it's just a uh, sorry but it's just me i'm not saying they shouldn't i'm just saying like i don't like watching it because and and people don't even understand that that's such an aggressive like a hostile stance because like you're basically saying our faces are ornamental and it upsets you to your sensibilities to see this face that you think Mm -hmm. is there for your admiration to be hurt and it's it's obviously misogynistic and sexist it comes from a place of you decided to do with this with your body and if you are i understand even the reaction to not like it because we're raised in a certain way right like this is just the way we've a lot of us grew up mm-hmm. is just the idea that you know women are delicate and they are they need to be taken care of and that you shouldn't you know so i i, I even understand the yeah. natural the instinctive this it's not instinctive because it's not an instinct it's a socially constructed impulse but uh i understand sort of feeling squeamish at first because your brain needs to adapt to the reality that no we're not here for your uh visual appreciation but you know, beyond that, it's just insisting on that stance or not even working to try to understand why it's a problematic yeah. stance. It's just you're going to have to just really teach your brain and your eyes to understand that women have yeah. just as bit of every right to be there as men. I don't know. I'm, t- I'm sorry. You you triggered a rant, oh. Nancy. No. <laughs> I love you, it. I got a Fernanda rant. Oh, that's good. I hope that that. The, the COVID is just retreating in your, your body because it's like, it's insane. I I am just like nodding my head here, agreeing so much. Like, yes, okay, he is the ultimate troll, right? He's doing this, or I don't even know if he did it on purpose, but, you know, I think he loves being provocative. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, um, we can't ignore it for a couple of reasons. One, you know, I just think it's it's, shocking um and we can talk about this going into megan anderson about like people like you know you have a job and you work for espn and you know the fact that you would disrespect you know women who've been so much a fundamental part of Mm -hmm. the usc and and you know we talked about how ronda rousey really helped bring so many more eyes to the sport Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, was, you know, I've, I've done my research, uh, cause my husband made me, um, <laughs> I've looked at the tax returns. She, ma- she made more money than any other fighter in 2015, male or fucking mm-hmm. female. Sorry. I got a little, the professor got a little, you can, this and is a sweary for, space. <laughs> I know, you know, I'm just getting started then. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, the fact that you would just take a crap on the women, you know, and I'm thinking also Julie, and Laura and 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 the other Pine Gina Carano, who've 
who've made this sport and, you know, and, and to say that, you know, I don't, I don't want to see them. I don't want Mm -hmm. them on my network. And, you know, and the thing is, and like, I don't want to go there, but when you say, I don't want to see blank fighting the octagon, you know, you, why put kind of a designated class in there? You know, um, you know, because it is just shocking that you're saying that there are some people who aren't allowed, mm-hmm. you know, in your opinion, to do something. Yeah. And, um, and, and again, but, you know, I asked to look at the bright side, be the optimist, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is very hard to do <laughs> these days. I mean, it brought attention again that, you know, women, we have to re- like keep our vigilance and, and, and remind yourself we deserve to be there. We've got to grow this. Um, you know, that because we have, this is not the first time that women, um, have been in the sport and then kind of, you know, the pendulum swang back. Um, you know, another time they had a lot of female boxers was in the war, um, because men were obviously fighting and, you know, women were taking the roles. So Mm -hmm. we had a little bit, you know, I, I think, you know, about the, um, the Rockford Peaches had, uh, that's the league of their own with the women mm-hmm. baseball team. So yeah. we saw them there and then just like everything when, you know, after the war. <laughs> then they came back is like, we don't need you anymore. Thanks. <laughs> we don't need you more. Um, why don't you be a housewife and get the two martinis and, yeah. you know, you know, sexually restrain yourself to, yeah. you know, all, I mean, I, I could go into many things. Um, but we got to remember too, that like, we just got, boxing as an Olympic sport for women in 2012. And when I tell that to my students, I'll ask them like, when, it's when did boxing become a women's sport in the Olympics? And they'll go like, you know, 1960, 1970. Yeah. I'm like eight years ago or, you know, nine years ago now. Um, and, you know, and that's, and that's also goes to the point of the, a lot of it, um, was about that ornamental face that women, mm-hmm. um, for some reason, they can't take a punch and that, you know, where a men, you know, I don't know if it, it affects their value is yeah. what it's saying because women, if they're damaged, they're, they're not you know, good. in their face, they're, they're, they're less valuable. Yeah, yeah. They're not good. And that's the thing, right? That people don't ridiculous. understand why this is a, a harmful stance. Cause I, I, I read a lot of, you know, yeah. Oh, that's, you know, just don't pay attention. That's just his opinion or things like that. And it's like, dude, you, these are the same mm-hmm. people saying this is just his opinion. When like Meryl yeah. Streep said that MMA was an art or whatever that like got all freaked out. And that was just, an, so it's like, it's, just an opinion because you don't understand yeah. how it invalidates uh, the careers and not just it's, careers. Cause it's a whole, it's bigger yes. than that for fighters, right? It's not just career, like of so many women. Yeah. Uh, t- Completely. Like, I think you're right too, because you know, you say like, Oh, just ignore them. You know, I mean, we now have alt right fringe conspiracy theorists in our Congress, you know, and like, yeah, I, cause I used to just think like, Oh, you know, I live in DC. I, there's no cabals of Satan worshiping. I don't know what they do, child <laughs> enslavers. Yeah. And you know, um, and that's now something we have to worry about. <laughs> and, and like you know, so I think vigilance is so appropriate, and um, you know, reminding ourselves because 
like you look at COVID um, and I don't know around the world, but I know in um, America, like women have dramatically decreased their job hours um, with having to stay at home and other things. Um, and, you know, and I'm like, man, you know, we come so far and, and like, we took two steps back again. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's something we just always have to keep working about. The, on that, I mean, the last thing I wanted uh, to touch on today, I mean, unfortunately, because if you're up to me, we talk for like five ah. hours, but <laughs> the, <laughs> exactly. you know, something I wanted to talk to you about, because it's been on my mind and I, I know it's been on yours too, uh, also recently that had to do with with a woman in the space, Megan Anderson, the, the featherweight fighter. Um, there was a whole situation with her. At this point, everybody knows about it because it really made the rounds. Like an, a fellow mm. fighter, Casey Kenny, uh, was on uh, Sean O'Malley's podcast and Sean O'Malley had a baby, I guess. It was just such a confusing situation from the get-go and had some <laughs> thoughts on heroin okay. addiction which I didn't know about that which were also I think I I'm no pretty sure honestly I like I read it I saw it like sleepy as shit like waking up but I'm pretty sure that's what I saw <laughs> I might be if not I'm sorry uh Sean O'Malley it's just the rest of it that's problematic <laughs> you've just given him a baby yeah sorry if that's <laughs> something my brain created but it was a weird situation and it led to Casey being asked by somebody who I believe is a coach like if he would you know sleep with Megan or whatever at four it was just a disgusting thing you can find the yeah. clip and it was just yeah. gross and very uh demeaning yeah. and, and sexualizing and weird um and Megan yes. responded and two two to people's credit though I'll say this I saw a lot more outrage than I was expecting like I was expecting more people to be like, mm -hmm. I, you know, it's just locker room talk. Like, oh, you, you know, you don't talk about yeah. your coworkers like this when nobody's looking, which A, uh, gross and B, okay, if nobody, <laughs> like, it's one thing when nobody's looking, it's another when yeah. it's a public forum where your coworker can very much hear and see what you're talking about her. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, yes, I also saw a lot of the, uh, oh, but, you know, Megan puts herself in that position because have you seen how uh, the picture she posts, like she sexualizes herself. So she needs to be able to like basically victim blaming one on one. Right. Like we've seen it so yeah. many times before. Yeah. Like basically oh. she was asking for it because she has pictures and bikinis on her Instagram, which if that's the case, like uh, my Instagram is just a giant <laughs> oh, thirst trap. Like this is, I don't take it as a sign of just harassment. I love your Instagram. <laughs> but I love your Instagram. I know. <laughs> but it's like, right. Like we hear it so much and we've heard it before with PVZ. Like it's such a cyclical conversation that we have, yeah. but there's so many yeah. layers of it. But I guess I wanted to ask like just your general thoughts on the whole Megan situation and, and uh, you know, what, what really first came to mind, whether with personal experience or whatever, when, when you first saw that clip. Oh yeah, no. Uh, Cause you know, I think that this is the thing that there's a line. And a lot of people want to say like, well, because this is the whole idea is that people are like, well, they're coworkers and that's what makes it inappropriate. Yeah. And well, it's not really that because if people are like, well, they're not on the same team and, you know, but no, they're in the same, you know, industry. And the line is, is that you've personally put someone on in a sexual manner 
um, you know, and, you know, where it, even if he had said whatever he said about having sex with her, I don't know what the word they used, smashed or something, yeah, something like this, that, but, um, ugh, like, like eye roll right there. Um, but, uh, that there is a line and I'll tell you, like I work at a university I have clear roles, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not really supposed to touch my students, you know, and I'll have problems. Like sometimes they'll hug me and I'll be like, yeah. you know, <laughs> because, you what know, but they, there, they, pal? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but I have to be careful what I say, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, because of you, there is a power structure where I, I have the power there mm-hmm. and you cannot um, do things inappropriately. So I, I'm on guard now. There, this is the thing. A lot of people are like, "Well, can I say she's pretty and stuff like that?" Of course, you know. I mean, this is there is a line that this is putting someone, um, and and when you sexualize them, that's the difference, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so, you know, when I look at your Instagram, and it's funny because my husband was saying, um, "You just told me that Fernanda looked really hot. How is that different?" <laughs> and I'm like, "So, oh, I was the example." <laughs> that's the example but you know because he you know he's i i have him like to do kind of the devil's advocate but it's Mm -hmm. like the argument doesn't work because you know i at no point even if i did that even in a public place you're not um you know being sexualized Mm -hmm. even though hot for for me it's different i don't know like yeah, it's and it's. You know? I get that. Like you're gonna make mistakes and you're gonna say dumb things, and that's the thing, right? Like I don't advocate like, oh, this guy said a dumb, gross thing. Like let's just cancel yeah. him forever and just lock him in a basement and throw away the key. Yes, but we yes. need to have these conversations. Like why this is gross? <laughs> like why this shouldn't yeah. be said? <laughs> exactly. I mean, and I I think like at least, and you have students you probably have a better sense of that than me like you're more in touch with the youth but I at least from all of this what I take is that at least I feel like we're walking in a positive direction yes you're right and you're right I loved like seeing um John Anik mm-hmm. and was it a uh, big Doug McCarthy yeah. like you know the support mm-hmm. mean like you know um and that was just you know the empathy of like no one wants to be talked and even even if it was glorious like I want you know, something else. Like, I don't want to say, but like, it, it's just inappropriate. And as for like the Paige Van Zant kind of putting your own and using your sexuality, mm-hmm. I think that I'm all for that because women have been used by corporations mm-hmm. to put, you know, pad their pocketbooks forever. And, you know, um, and you know what? There is something about the human body that's attractive. And, you know, it, it, it that's, that's the human aspect of us, you know, and there's, but if you, I think that if, uh, what's his name? Ken, Casey Kenny had said, like, I'm like the sexiest guy or I, you know, or put a picture of him and himself up there. Good. good you know, I, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and so I think, do you see like the difference between like putting yourself out there versus someone, you know, um, invading your sexuality and 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 you know yeah, of commenting course. it in that way of course that's all about it's i know it's kind of like a buzzword now but consent in a way like you're mm-hmm. putting yourself out in your own terms and we know this hypocrisy because it's so 
like I said, cyclical, right? We, we see this conversation over and over, but it's like, we know how sexualized and objectified our bodies are. Uh, we know how, you know, they look at whatever. It, female athletes a lot, of course, because their bodies are end up being so exposed because of the nature of their jaws, but all of us. And then the minute you claim that, the minute it feels yeah. like it's voluntary, the minute it, it's the same thing we see with like leaked nudes, right? And things like that. It's not about seeing naked women. Naked women are everywhere. You can like go to yeah. OnlyFans and, and pay to see the naked women you want. You can watch porn. You can do whatever. Like it's not yeah. about the naked body. Like the, the thrill of it for a lot of people or just the interest in is in a non-consensual naked body. It's on yeah. like, or feeling like that's yes. demeaning in a way. And then the minute a woman is kind of like, you know, this is me, this is my body, I choose how I want to show it. And I guess what I want to show a lot of it. Uh, then it's like, Oh, yeah, then it's wrong. It's uh, so it's kind of like, then it's, it's almost wrong. like you can't then win. It's, uh, you, know, <laughs> you can't I know nothing new know. under the sun. <laughs> I find the sexuality question um, with combat sports so interesting. And we touched it on real briefly. This might be a little too like, like hot topic for you. <laughs> so I don't know. But I we mentioned, you know, how we have openly um, homosexual female fighters, mm -hmm. um, you know, champions, you yeah. know, Amanda Nunez, um, Andrade, you know, we have, uh, you know, I could just name them. And yet for men, um, which is just doesn't seem like the population equals. Um, I know there's um, Orlando Cruz is a boxer who's openly mm -hmm. um, homosexual. Um, but I was, I'm curious what your thoughts on that are, because I've actually talked to a, my friend, uh, Kay Tyler Christensen, um, who has, is almost going to have this PhD in gender studies. And he had some really interesting theories. Um, what do you think? Uh, that that's still it's hard the closet yeah it's hard for me to like i think statistically like it's impossible for us to not have a single yeah. ufc male fighter who's gay like it's so yeah okay i get that it's a macho like environment and and, and one yeah. thing i constantly think about is how like a, a gay fighter would even like come up through all of that and without being discouraged by everything he sees of, or yeah. experiences. So I get, yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible. Uh, to me, it's just hard to think about it statistically. And then you think about how, how hard it would still be now in 2021 for a fighter to, uh, for a male fighter to come out as gay because yeah. like there's still so much, can you imagine like not just the stigma or how yeah. he might be treated uh, in training or whatever. Um, and we know from even like I've had heard coaches talking about how he doesn't roll with women because, you know, he in his head is making it sexual, apparently, because that to me is what I get from it. And <laughs> oh then so God. it's like it's so there's so many layers of just weirdness that I can really understand. But also like publicly, yeah. this is a person who's going to have to carry a lot uh, carry a flag. One thing I've noticed, like, and I've talked about also, is kind of like how, you know, straight cis white white men can afford to just be themselves and not really have to position mm -hmm. themselves politically. I talked about this with Karen while she, she and she talked about uh -huh. how she's not really political. Like people who are in a different position are sort of expected to also position themselves to also carry yeah. sort of quote unquote a flag so it's a lot like i can really understand why it, a, yeah why a male fighter wouldn't that's come out yeah no and i think you've really shown that yeah 
that you're all having that flag. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, and this is where it kind of like makes me sad that it's this still this masculine space mm-hmm. that um, we're, we're women. We don't like for you and I, like when you watch, if we watch two lesbian fighters, it doesn't nothing. Right. Yeah. And so that's why I also asked him like, what are, like, is there something optically? And, um, you know, he gave me like, I don't want to get it too much because it's about kind of the way <laughs> I'll use the word. Um, I'm not even going to use it because it's, it's kind of out there, but way see if they sell an, a gay man, supposedly, mm-hmm. One, you you would know that he is okay, possibly, dude. That's such a you know. Weird okay, oh, you got I get it. it. I get it. What you mean? But it's such a but weird. But that means, yeah. But or just even, let's just say, the more effeminate, yeah. possibly of the, the couple. So, and that makes them weak. Yeah. And that that people would view them as possibly being the weaker. And I'm just like, ah, like how do we change that? Yeah. That's kind a of, whole other um, ideology. That's a whole other, and it's something I've I know. thought about, and I personally like just don't really feel that equipped to talk about uh, as a, a straight woman. Yeah, but that I've constantly thought about because it's to me it's one of those unspoken issues. Like we don't talk about it. We just no, like, yeah. assume there there isn't a problem. But I, oh, of course. I, like how you know thank you for letting me bring up an unspoken issue with you (laughs) oh i'm glad you did because it's like you know and it's something i do well i think no one wants to talk about it yeah because it's like it's a touchy area you don't want to like intrude on people like and yeah beat from me to like uh out people whatever like would never and maybe that's just it no that's just no but it it it, it to me it's one of those things that we're just kind of like very comfortable with pretending is not a problem and then uh yeah we'll, one day we'll figure out how big of a problem it is for sure yeah uh, but it just it's another thing to underscore you know women having these the battles that we're fighting like you know that someone has to hide their nature mm-hmm. to be in a sport that they want to be in um you know so you know hopefully like when we're, we t- when we're, we're, we'll keep chatting, but down the road 30 years from now, we'll be like, we have remember when we were talking about that? Like, ha <laughs> 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 yep. uh, uh, I, I wish I could talk to you for like a thousand days, but I feel like this is uh, oh. a good provocative cutoff point so that people can oh my God, sort of I know. think about it too. Because I do feel like this is a, an under-discussed uh, subject for sure. Um I want to thank you so much for being here. I've, yeah. I guess before I let you go, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to point our listeners to? Well, I, I want to plug, um, I guess, my class, which, um, Fernanda, I'm going to be asking you to join a panel down the road here. Whenever you want. Um, because you've uh, been such a support, and I appreciate your voice um, in that. But, um, yeah, no, um, I actually have my syllabus and my readings um, and I post when we do panels um, on my website, it's writeandfight.com. And then I'm on Nancy Ann Kidder, uh, at Nancy Ann Kidder for Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. It's not as sexy as for not as Instagram. <laughs> 
but, you know, I have aspirations. Uh. Your Instagram is very wholesome. Like it's got cats, it's got wine, it's got your daughter. It's wine. really cute. You have like one of the, it feels yes. like Christmas, your Instagram feed. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, I'm making Christmas last year. <laughs> the whole, no one can come into my house and see that it's still, the Christmas tree is still up. Um, but you have, um, I, no, you, you've, uh, you make me like want to go to Mexico City. Aww. And it also like, I, you're, you're using your time wisely because, um, I like your twinkle lights. We, we know each other so well. <laughs> you're, you're, yes, I, I'm a very TMI person. You're invited whenever, Nancy. And, and you guys are also invited to follow me, of course, on all social media. I share way too much. It's uncomfortable, but it's just how I am. Uh, I guess thank you again <laughs> to Nancy for being here today. Uh, thank, thank you. you all at home for listening to us i usually have like this little thank you prepared for like a celebrity or something but today i entirely forgot so i'm just gonna thank uh the backstreet boys <laughs> except for brian because brian is like a QAnon guy apparently uh the internet has theories so no thank you to it's i'll we'll uh. talk offline because it's it was a very big shock for me too but uh, not to accuse mm. him, but it's 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 weird. So for now, <laughs> thank you all the Backstreet Boys, except for Brian. This has been the best camp of my life. I'll see you all next week.